You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Amen. Amen. I love I love that video. I've, I've played that before, um, but it just really struck me. And as I was going through some of our old files, I, I found it. And I was like, man, I, I just love this video um, and what it speaks to and kind of what we're going to share today. But before we get there, I just want to say welcome. I'm excited that you're all here. Amen. Amen. If you're watching online, you're like, wait, was there service and I wasn't invited? It's like, no, we, uh, we're just gathering today with teams and people who are on teams uh, because we're trying to get back in the motions of doing service and the flow of things. And so everyone here gathered together uh, it, for the purpose of, man, how do we get back into or really step into, you know, let's say, what God wants to do in this new season. And so we're going to be in a, kind of a new flow as a church where we're going to have services in Scottsdale here at this location and online. So if you're watching online, you're like, oh wait, so Pastor Josh is there, like how am I gonna get pastor? Don't worry, we have an awesome team of people to pastor online, to pray with you, to walk with you. And that's the great thing is we're kind of changing everything to think about how do we pastor people you know, all around? Because as we begin to have services back together, we're like, man, what we don't wanna lose is that community of all the people that have gathered and, and joined us from really all around. So whether you're watching you know, back um, in Everett, where we're from, or if you're watching uh, in Bangkok, I know we have people that watch there in the middle of the night, and we just say welcome, we love you, and we celebrate you. Can we celebrate them today? Awesome. We're excited to uh, launch those two locations next week and, you know, do all the, all the safety stuff, and we're learning. So thank you, everybody in this building, for being our guinea pigs. We appreciate, you know, you taking your life in your hands. And uh, being here, we promise, we sanitized everything. Uh, personally, my wife, me, uh, everybody, we've just sanitized things like crazy. Um, but we're, we're excited. I, I really do love that story from the video because I love this really unique and unlikely community that it is. Right here you have a 91-year-old woman who is ministering to young women coming out of prison. It's just kind of this totally unlikely uh uh, unlikely community that we see, and, and it, it stirs your heart. I love that line where she says, I didn't know that I could sit uh, across from a woman that I'd never met and know in my heart that I loved her. I think that is just such a powerful line, this, this really unlikely community. And I think the thing that strikes me so much about it is because the world is kind of anti-unlikely community. Meaning this, is like the, the world that we live in thinks if you are different, then you can't connect. Most, most of community that we have in our life, it's based off of like age or time of life or race or background or similar story or whatever it might be. So, so most of society is teaching us that you need to find somebody who's in the exact same stage of life as you, who looks exactly like you, who likes all the things that you like, who has the same backstory. I mean, how could you connect if you didn't have exactly identical backstories? I mean, I hear that all the time. Like, I just, I don't know if I can connect with them because we didn't have the same upbringing. And that's the way that the world is functioning so much. It's like we, we struggle to connect if we're not the same. But the hard part is that kind of like matching up uh, Tinder of community, so to speak, it has become problematic because it hasn't made us more connected. It's made us more isolated. Right? Like we can't connect because there's a 20-year age difference between us. Who says? 
right? Community is becoming more isolated. And I, and I think a lot of that has to do with, as much as it's the digital tools that we have are amazing. I love the fact that we can do digital small groups. I, I've loved my digital small group. It's been awesome. If I'm going to be totally honest, I was very nervous about doing a digital small group. <laughs> um, mainly because I, I don't like to do Zoom meetings. Like, I, I'm the pastor. I don't, I don't, I literally am like, I do not want to do more. And so I was like, man, digital small groups is going to be good. But man, I have loved it. Like, I have two different groups that I'm doing, and we've just seen God do awesome things, just connecting one-on-one. Nobody has to drive. So it's like everyone's just right there. There's no traffic. Uh, but, but I think in a digital community, we've struggled even more with this idea of how we connect. And a lot of that is everything else in our life uh, isn't formed that way. Think about it this. If, if I wanted some ATL wings right now, what I could do is I could just go on to Uber Eats. Now, it's across the block, but some of you guys have ordered Uber Eats from across the block. You know who I'm talking about. You're watching online. And, <laughs> and, uh, and you, you could order right now, and then they would come, and they would drop it off on the front steps. You wouldn't even need to talk to them. You wouldn't need, they would just be like on demand, right? Like, come get it. Come get what I want. What am I feeling today? What am I, what am I feeling what am I feeling? Oh, I'm feeling pizza. I'm just going to I'm gonna Uber Eats some pizza right now. In fact, somebody go ahead and do that. No. Um, I'm going to Uber Eats some pizza. And so we kind of have this thing when it comes to community a little bit in the same way, is we want community that's on demand. We want to be able to dial it up and be like, hey, let's go do this. I'm feeling this, so we need to go do this. You need to be there for me. I got community on demand. And, and I think that stunted us a little bit because that's not really community. That's just being on call. Some of us kind of go even the other way. The, the world, I think, is almost taken to the other step. It's like we're waiting for Uber Eats to call us to tell us what food it's going to bring us. You know, we're like at home, like, I'm so hungry, but no restaurants ever call me. I'm so hungry, but no restaurants ever call me to come to their restaurant. They never call me. And then you're like, well, who, what restaurants do you call? That's not community. They should love me enough to call me. It's like, well... You should probably call them because that's how this works functionally, right? But we live in a culture that's so on demand that, that it struggles to identify how do we actually have community. And so community has become something I need versus something we need. And there's a difference. Community isn't just something I need. That, that is true. We, I need community. But it is more apt or appropriate to say we all need community, whether you're online or you're here today. We all need community. And so I think that real community is so different than this kind of on-demand, selfish community. It's more like the community in this video. It's diverse. It's different. It's difficult. It requires sacrifice. I'm sure it's uncomfortable. It requires pursuit. And it requires obedience. Right? This kind of community, like, I'm not a big crier, but I, like, literally tear up every time I see this video. This, this, This sweet Old lady who said, God is not done with me yet. I'm going to build a community with the people that believe that God does not care or love or believe in them. And that's why I love Jesus Christ. Because in a world that is longing for community, I think more than ever, and out of this season, probably even more now, longing for community. You can only Zoom call your family so many times before you're like, I don't know if this counts as community. In a world longing for community, Jesus Christ gives us this key, the key, the secret to community. And I want to share it with you today. So if you brought your Bible, open up to John 13. Uh, If you're online watching right now, 
we have a Bible available for you. If you're on our online platform, uh, it's available on the side tab. And if you are just online, you can just literally go to Bible Gateway or one of the great ones and pull that up. But we'll have it here. We'll have it on the screen for you so you don't even need to click away. But we're going to go to John 13, starting in verse 1. And this is a kind of famous uh, portion of Scripture. It's famous because it's pretty awesome and because you've probably heard it a lot of times if you've been in church for any length of time. But I want to read it together. I'm going to pray. And I want to read it uh, over you. And as we do that, I just encourage you, have a fresh heart and a fresh mind for Scripture. So let's pray together. God, I thank you this morning for your word. And I pray as we read your word that it would speak to us, that it would transform us, that it would renew us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you're with me, would you just say amen? Amen. Oh, man, you have no idea how awkward that is to say that in an empty room and just have your camera guy looking at you. <laughs> it's so much better. We're just Gianna trying not to laugh the whole sermon. <laughs> it says this, verse, uh, verse 1 in chapter 13. Here we go. Now before the feast of the Passover... When Jesus knew his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. It says, during supper, when the devil had already put it in the heart of Judas the Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured the water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. Gross. And to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. So Simon Peter answered, he said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the, only, <clears throat> the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. And that was why he said, not all of you are clean. Okay, did you catch the key to community? It was, it was right there. It was sandwiched between some narrative. Let's go back. Let's, let's look at what's happening here. It is that Jesus is washing the feet of his disciples, but Jesus is always teaching. He's teaching with his life. Jesus is not only teaching with his words, but his lifestyle, his posture, his position, all these things. And so Jesus is teaching kind of a few things here uh, to us. So not only to the disciples, but through all of time, he's teaching us as disciples of Christ. He's Washing his disciples' feet to teach us a few things. Here, here's the first thing. Jesus washed his disciples' feet to teach us about love. Verse 4, it says, he takes off his outer garment and takes the posture of a servant. That, that, that would have been a, a big deal, right? Um, basically, he stripped down to his underclothes and got down in a posture of a servant and served these people. This would have surprised the disciples, because a rabbi would have never been seen in that culture washing the feet of his disciples. That would have been so much shame for the disciples. Because a rabbinical figure was so elevated above his disciples that it would have been so shameful for him to, 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 to get down and wash their feet. 
not, not shameful to him, but shameful to them because it would have been like, no, 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 you're way too above me to be down here washing my feet. I should be down even farther, like washing your feet. I should be prostrate on the ground washing your feet because you're so honorable. That, that was the culture. And so it, it surprised them because he took the posture of a servant or a slave in front of them. But he's doing this as a symbolic action of his love, right? Washing of the feet. He, he's doing this to show them something specific about not only uh, the action per se, but, but his life. He's prophesying over the future. See, when Jesus kneels down, takes the posture of a servant, and washes the feet of his disciples, he's prophesying over what is to come. Right? He's taking a posture that prophesies. It's a posture that says, listen, I'm going to lower myself humbled as a servant, and I'm going to serve you and wash you clean so that you may be clean and you may be with me. I'm going to be humbled even to death so that you might be washed clean so that you can have e eternal life. He takes this ultimate posture of sacrifice. In a world of power, the posture of sacrifice, the posture of humility is seen as so lesser, as weak. And yet Jesus is reminding us all the time that the posture of sacrifice is actually the strongest place you can be in. The desire for power, the desire for control just kind of really elevates your own self-weakness as a finite, non-eternal being. The posture of humility, of self-sacrifice shows that you understand and have a greater perspective. And Jesus takes this posture, Philippians 2, 5, it says this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, and becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." Jesus takes his posture, and you have to imagine this, like this moment of everybody gathered at a table, and everybody's eating and doing their thing, and Jesus says he's going to take off his outer garment. I mean, that would just, I mean, don't literally imagine, but right now, uh, that would surprise y'all if I did that. Uh, <laughs> and it would surprise me too, and online, and it'd probably get blocked on YouTube. But, uh, <laughs> but he takes off his outer garment, then he kneels down, and he begins to, to commit this act. I mean, just imagine they walked around in sandals, guys, sandals. Especially guys. This is a group of guys. This is a group of dudes. And I don't know how many women have been around, but probably not enough to make them shower that often. And sure, they poured oil all over themselves and made themselves smell okay. But half these guys were fishermen. And they probably had some gnarly toes. Let's be honest. Can we be honest? Like, like just straight gnarly fisherman toes. I mean, they, they fished half naked. I mean, there's, there's some wild stuff, right? So here is Jesus getting down just some gnarly, dirty, gungy mess. And he's going to be hands-on. I mean, he has supernatural powers. He walked on water. He could just kind of do some airbender, like whoosh, whoosh, kind of just splash it over him. He doesn't got to get in there with his hands, but he does. He gets down in there with his hands and, and hands on and washes their feet. Think about what that says. Jesus says, I love you so much that though I am exalted, though I am great, though I am mighty, though I am worthy, I'm willing to get down and touch the filth that is in your life, and I'm willing to wash it and purify it through my sacrifice. 
See, Jesus washes the disciples' feet to teach us about love, to teach us specifically about his love, his love displayed on the cross. When you look at the cross, that is Jesus kneeling down, becoming a servant, humbling himself for you, for me. He washed his disciples' feet to teach us about love, about his love. But the objective in displaying and prophesying and telling, he says, you know, you're not even going to understand until you see the cross. Then you're going to understand. Because the objective of, of him doing this was he washed his disciples' feet to teach us about love. But he washed his disciples' feet to teach us how to live. Right? Jesus washed his disciples' feet to teach us how to live. Let, let's look at, if you're with me, verse 12 in uh, John chapter 13. It says this. This is kind of after this had happened. It says, and when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. This is important. Jesus, in Scripture, in the Gospel, he doesn't just teach us about his love. Like, man, that's a really great idea. The love of Jesus is a really neat thing. He teaches us how to live with his love. Right? Disciples, you know, I think we say words all the time, like, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. What it would have meant then to be a follower of Jesus meant to be, I'm going to imitate what he did. Like, I'm going to do what he did. So Jesus shows them this really great act of love because he's going to show them a greater act of the cross. And he's going to set an example. Not only like, this is, this is love, this is a great idea, but like, this is literally what you do. Right? And I think this is important because the gift that we receive and, and the model that we're given to follow are, are all intimately connected. If you receive the gift, the free gift of salvation, then you are pulled in and drawn into following after the model that is displayed. And it's important that it comes in that order. I don't know if you've ever been like a workspace person where you're like, i got to work my way to the love of Jesus. Like, flip that. Because the right order is I've received the free gift of grace, and now everything I do is birthed from the new life that has been given to me, right? Like it has been birthed from what has been given to me, which is the free gift of grace. I can't earn it, but it should transform me. It should begin to challenge me. And, and it really does, is that the reason it, this is important is because he teaches us this challenge in our life. When we receive the love, it challenges us in two ways. It challenges us in a personal challenge and a communal challenge. Let me explain that. When we read the scripture, when we see the love of Jesus, when we see the cross, we get this personal challenge. What does that mean? I think it's best reflected in, in the words of Jesus and Peter. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answers him in verse 8. He says, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Okay, that's kind of an intense thing. You ever reading and Jesus kind of throws in these like, do this, or, you know, or else you don't have this. And you're like, okay, cool. Jesus is very serious about what's happening. Right? He says, unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Well, what does it mean to wash? What is he saying? Unless I wash you. Is he literally saying like, Peter, unless you let me wash your feet, then, you know, you're going to go to hell? No. 
He's talking about the washing that comes from the cross. He's saying, Peter, you need to be washed in selfless love, right? In selfless love, Jesus goes to the cross. He takes our sin and our shame. He dies as the spotless lamb to wash us clean. That's what he means by washing. So he says, Peter, uh, Peter says, you'll never wash me. Jesus says, you must be washed if you want to be mine. This is important. You must be washed if you want to be his. To be saved from the debt of our sin, to receive eternal life, we have to be washed by the blood of Jesus. No act, no ritual, no book club, no digital small group, no discover, no religious activity. None of that will wash you clean. Only the blood of Jesus on the cross will wash you clean. And what's great is we can all come to him and be washed clean. Right? It doesn't matter where you're watching. It doesn't matter you know, where you are, where you're from, or what you've done. No, there's no sin that Jesus cannot wash away by his blood. That's the amazing news. You could be watching this literally from prison and think, I've done things that cannot be washed away. Now, I'm not talking about him washing away the consequences in the world. I'm talking about for eternity in your soul and the sin and the debt. There is nothing that, that he cannot wash away. And so he says... All guilt, all sin, all things are washed away and forgiven. I like 1 John 1, 7. It says this. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I don't know if you guys like, I really like Peter. I don't know if you like Peter. I like Peter because he's excessive. And I appreciate that there's people in the Bible who are excessive because I am also excessive. Because it starts with Jesus saying, like, Peter, I need to wash your feet. And he's like, no, that's too much. Don't wash my feet. And then he's like, no, I have to or else you can't be with me. And Peter's like, then dunk me, Lord. Right? He just goes, like, way over the top. He's like, wash my head and my hands, every part. Right? He's just like, let's get into ceremonial washing. And Jesus is like, no. no. He kind of, like, has this aside with Peter. He's, like, going around to every person, you know, washing their feet. And they're all kind of like, oh, my goodness, Jesus. And all of a sudden, like, you're Philip. You're down at the end of the table. And you just hear Peter go, Jesus, wash every part of me. You're like, oh, my gosh, Peter, really? you got to go over the top every time? Like, just, just let him go down the line, man. He's teaching us something. Right? We don't know what it is, but let him go. But Peter says, just wash me. And Jesus kind of has this aside with him that I think is so important. He says, if you've already been bathed, then you only need to wash your feet. Like, that's interesting. It's because he has this moment kind of with the metaphor with him to say, listen, you believe. You believe that I am your Lord. And through the cross, you will be washed by my sacrifice. So I don't need to keep bathing and washing over you and washing over you and washing over you. The person that comes to the altar week after week after week to, to give their life back to the Lord because they're afraid that because of some great sin, God has removed salvation, removed his love, removed these things. And yet he's also sharing the importance of confessing your sins. He's saying you must wash. I like that because washing your feet would be important. He's saying you've already been bathed, but you're walking through a dirty world. And you're going to get dirt on you. And so let me graciously come and wash and purify your heart. That same part of 1 John 1 and verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's saying, listen, if you believe in me, I, I, you have been saved. You received that salvation. And now in, as you follow me, as you follow after me, as you seek me, there are going to be things in your life where you get dirty and make mistakes. And so, again, I'm saying come to me as my child and be purified, be washed clean. In some scriptures it even says confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Right? Confession is not a, a, a dirty word. Confessing your sins before the Lord, being open and honest to him, is, is how we are washed clean and purified. And this is really this personal challenge that we see in response to the love of God is the personal challenge in our life is to humble ourselves before the cross of Jesus Christ daily. To be washed clean by him. See, the foundation of community is people who are pursuing God. People who have humbled themselves before God and are pursuing him with their lives. Who have received the, the salvation that comes from him and are daily seeking to pursue and seek after him. That, that individual humility is really the foundation. But there, there's not only the personal challenge, there's this communal challenge because we're talking about community. But we had to talk about the personal challenge because that's the foundation. But the communal challenge is that the disciples were called not just to agree with Jesus, but to do what he said. Isn't that funny how this works? Jesus says, here is how you ought to pray. Here is how you ought to give. Here is how you ought to live. Here is how you ought to serve. And then as a church we go, man, I wonder what he means. Right, like when you give, man, I wonder if Jesus wants me to give. When you pray, man, I wonder if Jesus wants me to pray. We need like eight or ten commentaries on this for us to really understand what Jesus is saying. Jesus is like, you ought to this, you ought to love. And then like collectively as a church, we're like, what if we just really complicated this? Like what if we had like a conference? What if we had like eight or nine books and we just really mixed it up to make sure that we really made this as confusing as possible? And it, Jesus is like, no, no, no. I'm telling you how to live your life. Jesus is not an information. He is a lifestyle. Jesus is the way, not just the words, right? In the beginning was the word, and he is the way. It's both. Verse 14 says, if I, your teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. We're like, I wonder what he means. <laughs> now, some of you, you're going to get really hyper-literal. Those are people in church. And you're going to email me this week and say, Pastor, we must have mandatory foot washing stations at the entry and exit and foot washing in every service. And I'm just going to pretend I didn't even see that email and tell you it got lost in spam folder. <laughs> because that's not what Jesus is talking about here. Now, you can do that. In light of COVID-19, I encourage you, don't go around washing random people's feet or just any people's part of their body, right? This is not what he's talking about. He's talking the lifestyle that should be emulated. What is the lifestyle that he's saying you ought, you ought to do? Now, foot washing is very, like, cool. I've seen people do it, and I've seen people have these humble moments, and it was a very spiritual thing, and it was a communal thing. So I'm not knocking that act, but I want us to make sure that we're not taking a teaching and, and applying it in a sense that Jesus is not meaning it to apply. Are you with me? Okay, good. What Jesus is trying to teach is a lifestyle of humility. He is advocating and telling us we ought to replicate humility through sacrifice. You can write this down. 
Humility. <laughs> man, I missed having people here. <laughs> oh, man, I missed you, Katie. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Will you marry me? <laughs> Humility, write this down. <laughs> Humility is a universal Christian virtue to be expressed through sincere and costly service of others in Christ's name. I'm going to read it like three times because it's long. Humility is a universal Christian virtue, meaning it is something we are called to ascribe to. It's something that Jesus has called us to, to be humble. It is a universal Christian virtue to be expressed through. It doesn't just live in us. It is expressed. How is it expressed? It is expressed through sincere Meaning not forced, not coerced, not someone saying you got to do this or else you're going to be in lower heaven with me because I have tattoos. You know, it, it, this is sincere and costly. Ooh, okay. Costly service. What does that mean? It means that we, we suffer for one another. We care for one another. We give to one another. It costs us our time. It costs us our energy. It costs us what we want to do because we're, we're willing to, to look out for someone else. Right, costly service of who? Of ourself? No, of others in Christ's name, in the name of Jesus. Christian community is only possible where this attitude is expressed. And I really believe that Christian community, strong community, true community, has no promise of longevity where it is not expressed. Humility. See, personal and communal cannot be separated. Isn't that amazing about Christian community? Personal and communal cannot be separated. We like to compartmentalize things, but it's just not how it works. Personal and communal are linked. A person humbled at the foot of the cross as a helpless sinner who has received the free gift of grace from Jesus Christ, that person is the raw material for the community of Christ. That person is the raw material for what God wants to do. The cross is both the key to salvation and community. If you're looking for the key to community, the cross. The cross is the key to salvation and community. John 13, 34. It's, it's very similar wording, but at the very end of this chapter, he says this. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Okay, how do we love one another, Jesus? He's going to tell us. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. I wonder what he means. Like love how I feel like we should love? Well, I don't know. Let's ask him. Just as I, ju just as I, just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I love that. Just as I have loved you. How, Jesus? Just as I have loved you, love one another. As I have done, you now ought to do. I wonder what he means. Like, should I, should I do this? Should I do this? Well, look at how he loved and then do that. That's the form. Did Jesus care for those who were hurting? Yes, do that, right? Did Jesus connect with a myriad of people, rich centurions, poor people on the side of the street? Yep, do that. Was Jesus' own cadre of people a mix of all kinds of professions and doctors and tax collectors and, and fishermen? Yes. How? 
because he loved sacrificially. He stepped out of heaven. He came to earth as a servant, submitted even to death, died for you you and I on the cross, and rose again. See, community is not built on self-seeking, self-focus, on our desires, on power, on money. Real community is built through humility expressed through sincere and costly sacrifice. Community is built by loving people as Christ loved us, the band can come up. See, this is the thing I, I want to encourage us because we're entering into a season where we, we need to reshape community, and it's a great chance to restart. If, if you have struggled to feel like, what, what, how am I connecting into community, and, and how am I building community, and you have felt like maybe in the seat of the person who feels like they need to be pursued, but now you're going to jump into the place of the pursuer and the builder and the former of community that all disciples of Jesus Christ should, should sit in then now is, is really the beautiful moment. You can do it because you're here, and you can do it because you're online. Because community is not built because there's 1,000 people or 10 people. Well, if there was just more people, I would just be worse at calling them. Right, that's the truth, if, you were, if we were all honest with ourselves. Right, if there was just more money or more time or more authority or more, but that's just not how it works. Community is built by the love of Jesus Christ. How did he love? He sacrificed for others. So if we want to build community, Banner Church, we need to continue to sacrifice for one another. See, that is what this church has been built on. But I, and I believe it can be built even more and grow even more if we sacrifice for one another. And, and it doesn't have to be crazy. I'm not saying die on a cross for anybody. I mean, if it gets there and you feel like that's the right move, I mean, I guess just take the leap. <laughs> but I'm saying die on your cross daily. I'm saying... Invite someone into your home if you feel comfortable. I'm saying call somebody if you don't feel comfortable inviting them into your home. I'm saying care for needs. Wake up, pray for other people. Sacrifice your schedules, sacrifice your time, sacrifice your comfort with just a simple practical expression of Christ's love. Because anyone, anyone can build community through humility and sacrifice. But importantly, everyone is called to. Everyone is called to. Like, well, I don't know about me. The great thing is I didn't create you. God created you, and so he knew you. And he knew the, the ways you feel like you don't measure up. And he knew the ways that, that you struggle. And he knew the ways that you might not align with everything. You might ne never get on a stage or do anything like that. You might be introvert, extrovert, whatever you might be. The great thing is God knew you. So when God called you, he already anointed and prepared you. And he's going to be with you. And he's going to walk with you. And as you are more like Christ, and as you seek Christ more, he is with you always. And the more you step out, the more you humble yourself at the foot of the cross and become that raw material for a community, the more you will see God do miracles in your life. If you're tired of being on the outside, then it's time to become the epicenter through Christ. And the great thing is that culture and life has given you a reset button. Because there's nothing that we're more desperate for right now than community. But can I tell you, I, I can't be your community for every person here. We need to all be disciples of Christ for one another. That's why I love our small group. 
Thank you, everybody that leads a small group. You are a center. And you're like, God, I just don't, I don't know if I'm measuring up. I don't know if I'm pastoring the people in my group. Listen, all that matters is that you are obedient. And you trust the Holy Spirit to move as he needs to move. And you get down and you wash the feet of the people in your group. You say, hey, how are you doing this week? They say, I'm fine. You say, no, tell me, like, let's talk about, are you excited for anything this week? No, I'm not, I'm not excited for anything. Let's pick something up. Let's be excited together. Let's find something together. Let's find something we can bring joy, right? I'm saying little things because, listen to me, Banner Church, if we can be humble people before the cross of God who serve people sacrificially, we will have the key to community, the key online, the key in Scottsdale, the key in Bangkok. You'll have the key to community. You won't need to scream it from the street corner because it's going to echo in your home and in your heart and in your life. So I want to challenge you today with a personal challenge and a communal, communal challenge. I'm going to challenge you today to make that step to say, I'm going to humble myself before the cross. Maybe you've never made that choice. Maybe you've never said, Jesus, I give you my life. And you've never received that love that comes from him. You've never secured your eternity. And so now you're like, I, I need to secure my eternity this morning. I need to walk with Christ. I'm going to give you a chance to say, I, I humble my heart. But also to say, Jesus, help me to love as just as you have loved me. Just as you have loved me. Help me to get creative in how I love people. Would you stand with me this morning? Next week, we're going to begin a series on the Lord's Prayer that I'm so excited about, honestly. Uh, I, I think it's probably going to be one of the best series we've ever done. I'm very excited about what God's going to do. And we're going to, we're going to walk through and teach how to pray and how to come before the Lord. And when I mean how, I mean the immense, beautiful opportunity and pleasure that it is to come before God. And so we want to equip you. We don't want to just inform the saints. We want to equip the saints. And so I'm believing that. But this week I feel like, and I felt like God just spoke that we need to just commit in our hearts that through humility and sacrifice that we say, God, in this season that we're stepping into, we're a place that takes community into our heart and into our hands and says, God, use us to be there for others. So would you bow your head and close your eyes? If you're watching online, if you're in your home, wherever you are, I invite you to just bow your head and close your eyes. We're going to pray with you. And then we just, I'm going to be here at service. I'm, I'm willing to pray with you and our prayer team and anyone who's available this morning is here to pray with you. And we can stand six feet apart and yell at you if that helps. Uh, if you're online, we want to pray with you as well. We have a prayer team standing by right now, both men and women, who can pray with you and pray over you. So I encourage you to click that live prayer or just you, you can email us, whatever you want to do. We want to pray with you this morning. But I specifically want to pray. in this moment that we would accept the challenge, the communal and personal challenge of humbling our hearts and just lovingly and sacrificially building the community of Jesus Christ. So wherever you are with your eyes closed and your head bowed, I just want to invite you. We're going to pray. Just receive in whatever posture. If you want to open your hands, if you want to put your hand on your heart, whatever you want to do, I want to pray over you this morning. Jesus, I thank you for everyone gathered near and far. I thank you that you are the God that is with us in every season, in every place. And as we step into this new season, we want to just be so rooted in your love. God, like your scripture and your word and your son said. 
We want to love just as you have loved us, which is sacrificially and humbly. So God, in this moment, anyone struggling with pride, we just submit our hearts to you. I pray for anyone struggling with fear, we submit our hearts to you. Anyone struggling with anxiety, we submit our hearts to you in this moment. We pray, God, we come humbly before your cross. We thank you for the free gift of salvation. If you've never made that choice to follow Christ, I'm just going to pray right now. Jesus, I pray for every person who has never made that decision to follow Jesus with their life. I pray that they would receive the hope and healing of Jesus Christ as they choose today to say yes to you, to say, I follow Jesus with my life. And God, as all of us who have been washed clean by your blood, come before you humbly. I pray that you would use us to build your kingdom. God, not, not Banner Church, not this building, but your kingdom through humble and authentic and sacrificial community. God, may we be creative in the ways that we love others. May we be creative and expressive in the ways that we show love, God, whether we are digital or personal, whether we are distant or far or near or close or intimate, God, whatever it is, God, I pray that we would get creative in the ways that we can show your love, that this church will be known as a church of Jesus, not just because it says church on the name, on the side of the building, but because the people within this church and online and on our online campuses would go out into their world reflecting the sacrificial love of Jesus. And God, for those right now who are willing to take that challenge, I just, we pray together, we pray, dear Jesus, we give you our hearts, we surrender our anxiety, our fear, we surrender our intentions, we surrender our motives, we surrender our, even our ideas to you, because God, we know you want to use us as you have created us, and so God, I just pray an outpouring on them, and I, God, I pray that the miraculous that you've done in this church, that you would awaken in this season and do it again in the name of Jesus. I pray that the miraculous that you have done even bring bringing us to this place, you would awaken in community and do it again in the name of Jesus. And so we pray and we prophesy over this season, praying that there would be community like never before in Jesus' holy name. All God's people said, amen. Hey, we're going to sing this song, Do It Again. And I want to encourage you, let's just worship the Lord together. Let's spend a time just reflecting and inviting him, inviting him into this season and this place. Amen.